You are listening to the Unlikely Felon Podcast, episode number 21. Welcome to the Unlikely Felon Livestream. This show is peppered with humor, entertains with inspiration, and presents real solutions to post-traumatic recovery. Here is your host, author, speaker, and mistake maker, W.C. Young. Good morning, afternoon, evening, when, uh, wherever you are, at whatever time you might be listening. I hope, uh, I hope you're having a great day. Thank you for joining me as you make your personal comeback. I like to say your unique comeback. This cast is for you if you'd like to feel better about the whole process. I thought since we just had the 4th of July and with some of the crazy stuff going on in the world, we'd, uh, as, as it's always been <laughs> and probably always will be, I thought we'd talk about freedom, especially the lack of it, I think, in most people's lives. And it's not necessarily the freedom that you think about right off the bat if somebody says that word. But um, my question is, are you really free? And that's the question for you today. I want to challenge you that some of you may actually be in jail and you're not free. You just don't know it yet. And then from the book, since we're talking about freedom, how about some more on work release uh, jail? What was that? What was that like? I've had uh, people ask me and it's still, still hard for me to say that word. And then a quick 4th of July memory with Graham and Gramps. We had this really cool tradition that we would do. And I'll finish with inspiration from an obituary. And you might say, what's that about? I saw this one where a daughter made it funny and, and really matched the person's life and their personality to this. And it's really, I thought, really good stuff. So we'll go through that. What is real freedom? Now, if you look at the definition, freedom is understood or defined as either having the ability to act or change without constraint or to possess the power and resources to, to fulfill one's purpose unhindered. But in our country, we often think of freedom means I can do whatever I want, maybe whatever the hell I want, um, when I want to do it, don't I wish, don't uh, you wish, and no one can stop us. But that's probably probably not true, right? So as you look at uh, what are our freedoms, I, I took a look at the Freedom Project, and they had some information that I thought was real valuable here. Freedom is, is a fundamental element of liberty. Okay, and it's, it's defined as a concept of value and a feeling, right? We're the land of the free. It's also an essential human requirement and something most people agree is, I think most of us agree, is worth fighting for. But what does freedom really mean in our daily lives and the lives of others? And what does it require of us? Now, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he delivered a, a State of the Union address. And this is where it's famously, I think a lot of people talk about this. In fact, I saw an article yesterday that was talking about this. And he in this he was delivering a, a State of the Union 1941. He introduced a concept he called the Four Freedoms. And at the time, now think back, we were dealing with World War II, the whole Nazism. Uh, we had made it out of the Depression. The world was at a very uh, unique moment. And he defined it as the four freedoms were, number one, freedom of speech and ex- expression. Number two, freedom of worship. Number three, freedom from want. And then four, freedom from fear. Now, isn't it interesting that when you look at those four things today, I don't know how much freedom we actually have with those four, but I'm not going to get into that. Today, I want to, I want to talk, talk about what, how many of us are not free. And you see, I spent time in jail, the one with the actual bars. And it's hard for me again to say that, but I've also spent time in my own self-created mental jail. And that's 
where I want to go with you today. It's the jail where the walls are invisible, but the chains are kind of around our mind, maybe even around our our beliefs and the, some of the things we're doing. We're going to talk about that So, and see what that looks like. How many of you are in jail with your lives? So as we're celebrating Independence Day this week, right, this past weekend, and we start to think about it, how do you know? So how do you know if you're if you're uh, if you're in some sort of self created incarceration? First, ask your question. Here's here's a question, and be brutally honest. Am I reaching my full potential? So let me say it again. Am I? I mean, really, really, am I reaching my full potential? When I asked myself, I said no. I said there's there's all kinds of things I need to work out, work out, work on. But what does mental incarceration look like? A lot of us, right? We're we're jailed with with debt, bad relationships, not doing what we want to do, whether that's career or jobs on a daily basis. I call it our, you doing what you know in your heart you're supposed to be doing today. So let's, let's do a quick freedom audit. That's why I wanted to come up with, (laughs) just came up with that today, but you know, what, what's a good freedom audit for us? And when I say freedom audit, you think, think about it for a minute. What, how do we really evaluate? We say we we live in a country of freedom and we have all this freedom, but, and as, as individuals, um, we enjoy as individuals, the possible that's only in and through our community, right? For most of us nowadays, freedom represents doing again, what you want, when and how you want it without any, anyone interfering or stopping you. Now, now that's probably not true, (laughs) but, but most of us, aren't stopped by others. The reality is we're stopped by our own mind, our our own attitudes and beliefs and the things that we think on a daily basis are creating this sort of self, again, incarceration. When you compare our country to other countries, our freedom is amazing. Yet here we are. So many of us are in significant debt. And how does that take away your freedom? Well, choices. There are things you, you cannot do. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day and they said, I I can't do the training I need, or I can't get the training I need. And I said, because they couldn't afford it, they were in so much debt. And I said, you can't afford not to, but they've made so many choices on debt that they're drowning. They're literally in jail again. It's, I know there's no bars or cells there, but that's a situation. How about in bad relationships, marriages, partnerships, who someone's dating had a contact who uh, recently was divorced and they just all of a sudden said it was like prison. It's like I got out of prison and it made me go, huh? So how many people are in that situation? Friends, are you, are your friends influencing you to get healthy, financially secure, to go after your dreams, maybe make a job change? Or is it the other way? They're killing what you want to do. They're killing your dreams and your drive, your motivation. Are you in jail with your, your job or your career? Now, it might, might be a great time right now to find something new. And I've had mentors over the years tell me, several tell me, try to start over when everybody is, when everybody's going through it, right? Because if everybody's doing fantastic, and you're the only one not, and vice versa, it's, it can be a little, a little odd, but in a downtime or even a down economy might be the best time to do it. Do you know how many great companies were created maybe at the worst possible time? Heard of GE? Here's some, I, I went over a list, and this is over the last hundred years of companies that were started probably at the worst possible time. Netflix, Airbnb, Trader Joe's, Microsoft, you heard of those guys? Sports Illustrated. MTV. I think when MTV was started, mortgages were like 14%. God, I don't know, but credit cards, 30. I, I, I was, I was young. Uh, I was a kid back then, but 
Is now the best time to start a business, that business you've always wanted to start? Or again, are you in jail? See things, see, see the thing about our minds and our beliefs is that many people are sitting in a small apartment, home, condo, and it might as well be a cell because they have no self-development. Their self-talk is horrible. They're saying things like, I can't, it's bad time, never, it won't work. The economy is bad. It's only getting worse. And it just goes on and on. Those bars just, and I, again, I call them the, 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 the mental bars, the figurative bars in their mind just get stronger and thicker. So that question again is, are, are you, are you in that jail with your life? Right? So from the book uh, today, people would ask, um, I've had people ask about work release and I, I write, uh, their jails process was high tech reminding me of the onboarding process of entering a spaceship in the science fi in the sci-fi movies. We went from one station to the next in a very controlled orderly process, like a space movie plot. The jail needed to analyze inmates mental state. So my next stop, so so, um, I'm going through this, you go through this whole process if you've been through it. And if you haven't, I hope you never do. But um, one of the stops you make, and I, I write in the book was with a psychologist, a black woman who wore gray glasses. She was this uh, cute older lady, but um, she pointed her nose down to avoid the bifocal effect and looked at me over the top of the frames. Are you William? She asked. Yes. I said, as she questioned me, I could tell her intent, her intent was twofold. First was to, first one was to make sure I wasn't nuttier than a fruitcake. And the second to keep me calm. I was neither. (laughs) Her questions were followed by warnings like, there are some rotten apples in here, so be careful. She put me on notice for what could happen, but usually doesn't. She mentioned that jail was not as awful as in the movies, though some bad things do take place and there's some obviously bad people. Then she said those magic words, would you like to make a call? You get one. Really? It's like the movies, I thought. (laughs) Oh God, yes. Yes, definitely. I said, must be your first time, honey. (laughs) She said with a a slight grin. I, I still remember that process, but it was, uh, it was just crazy. And, uh, um, but again, it's funny how many people are probably in their life in a incarcerated situation, but they just don't know it. So 4th of July, I had some, I want to, I, I thought about some great memories this last weekend that I had with Graham and Gramps and we had this great tradition and I don't know to this day what my parents were doing. They were, they were never with us. Uh, and then when they divorced, of course they, they weren't with us, but, um, my sister and I would go over to Graham's and we'd head to the bridge. They had this bridge by the athletic club. It was right near a major highway. The bridge went over this major highway and you'd go on the bridge. And I believe the fireworks were coming from the parking lot of the athletic club, but I, you know, being young and, and I wasn't sure, but it would shoot straight up over us. And it was so cool. You had the, the cars flying by on the highway and you had the fireworks going off and it was it was so cool. And I just remember being so safe and feeling so secure. Grandma and Gramps were very patriotic and they would just preach to my sister and I how, how great this country was. Yeah, there's a, there were a lot of problems. This, this is back from 1976 to 1988 or whatever, whatever, whatever it was. There, there were problems and there are always problems, but how great we have it here. How fantastic this country is. And they really instilled that in, in me. And to this day, I think I still, I still feel that. I feel that warmth and uh, that understanding of what what it means to really be free, I guess, if you take advantage of it. So email me if you have some great, some of your best 4th of July memories as a kid or a young adult. So um, let me take a break right there. Today, we have a new sponsor. Are you hungry for popcorn? 
This week's sponsor is Sizzle Popcorn. Popcorn is a go-to when you want to sit down and enjoy the show. So today, bring out the sizzle and make the moment memorable. Our inspiration story this week is a funny obituary. I saw this and there were just some, um, I think, great life lessons from it and things that I that we all need to remember. And as I read it, it made me think of... Uh, well, just things I need to work on, but we'll talk about that. But shortly, let me let me read some of it to you. And again, it was it was so good. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but just some different parts of it. But it's about a doctor, her doc, Doctor Marine Brennan Weaver, uh, New York Times journalist Katie Weaver wrote it. And uh, Katie's not only a New York Times journalist, but also, of course, Marine's daughter. Uh, and it said, it was just, this is good. Dr. Marine Weaver died at her home in Harrisburg on June 14th, shocking all who loved her by being ahead of a schedule for the first time in her life. Desperately missing her are her beloved daughter, Katie and son-in-law Taylor and her adoring husband of 33 years, John, to whom Maury provided selfless care throughout his prolonged infirmity. infirmity. Also mourning Murray are siblings Jim, Tom, and Megan, whose sons and daughters have lost a rowdy aunt, plus countless friends and patients. Maureen bunked at the top of her class from Camp Hill school days through the years at Pennsylvania College of Podiatric Medicine. When a broken wrist forced her to give up surgery, she persisted as an uncommonly caring foot doctor, treasured by patients who showered her with homemade treats. She occasionally accepted his pay. Remember those days? Uh, Dr. Weaver could not stop herself from buying shoes for patients if she spotted just what they what they needed while she was shopping. She categorically did not do house calls, except for patients who she really liked. <laughs> I love that, who she really liked. Of these, there were so many, she had to set aside whole days for house calls. Brilliant and curious. She could have done anything. She chose podiatry to have holidays off, but usually forgot to schedule them off. After decades of work, she retired to care for her best-like patient, her cherished mother, Pat, who preceded her in death by just four years. Maureen was six-foot loved, strays of all species, could outthink her opponent, was righteously funny and pathologically generous. I love that word, pathologically generous. If, if you mentioned a thing you liked, she'd get you 11 when she found them at a great price. When a, a, a young nephew wished for a plastic micro, microscope, she found him a real one. Of course, at a great price, and <laughs> painstakingly prepared hundreds of slides for his study. Marine had a cackle that crashed through rooms. She died be- dis- before discovering what, if anything, she was afraid of. Marine's true joys were helping people and anyone anywhere saving money. She briefly employed a skilled houseworker, but found her, but found her a more lucrative job. She clipped coupons for diapers and left them in the grocery store baby aisle. I love that. What a great idea. Decades ago, she acquired a huge box of toothbrushes for pennies on the dollar and has kept her family in toothbrushes ever since. Maureen was a gardener to make the earth proud in lieu of sending flowers. Please plant a little something in her memory. Please be aware in her memory that garden centers mark perennials down to unbelievable prices in the fall. <laughs> no amount of time with the astonishing Maureen would have been enough for her family and friends, though she gave us enough toothbrushes and memories to last several lifetimes. Oh, how we loved her. So I, uh, I remember um, what it was like. And this obituary reminded me of two key lessons. Uh, I got uh, that, number one, you have to have more humor in my life. Uh, and for all of us, right? We all need more humor. 
And number two, don't take life so serious. I guess those, of course, go hand in hand. But that's the reality is that we've got to not take it so serious and find humor. Thank you for joining me today. Please, uh, please don't take your freedom in this country for granted. Thank, thank, thank. I'm so thankful. I think we're all thankful for all those who died for it. Right. But more importantly, I think it's really make sure you're not in your own mental incarceration, jail, whatever term you want to use, because to me, that's true freedom is going out and living the life you're supposed to live today to be in the job, the relationship, the career, the body, the health, whatever you believe and think that's what it should be. And if it's not there, then you got to figure out why. And you got to, you've got to take the time today, not only think about it, but start to implement things that you can do to get out if you're in that jail. So please, please keep the feedback coming. Lots of uh, five-star reviews. I think it's up to almost 30 now for the book, The Unlikely Felon. Grab a copy when you get a uh, chance. I'm told the parts about work release are some of the best parts of the book, if the rest, if some of the rest bores you, but no, I uh, appreciate it so much. So grateful. Now go out and please have a fantastic week. And this is WC Young. Remember, sometimes the best time, best way to help the world is to make mistakes. Goodbye for now. If you enjoyed this cast, you must check out the website, unlikelyfelon.com. You can buy WC's new book, sign up for the newsletter and see his speaking engagement schedule.